Go ahead and take your Bible and be turning to the book of Romans. To the book of Romans. There's just so much truth in the book of Romans. Just love teaching in the book of Romans. But after a while, you know, it's hard to teach y'all something you haven't already heard. Y'all know everything. You, you haven't got the Bible committed to memory. and You know, you don't even have to look in your Bible anymore. Anyway, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I just want to explain a, a few couple things to you, and then I want to cover in chapter 6. But in Romans in chapter 5, where it says in verse 15... But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Now, it seems like a little redundant to say free gift. You mean if it's gift, it's supposed to be free. If it's free, it should be a gift. It's free. But sometimes you have to explain what you mean by that. And I guess the Holy Spirit knew that people would try to change things. And so he made a, a definite statement on something that I want to show you. As you notice there, he makes a statement also, For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace. So the gift came to us by grace. So that defines how we got the gift. It means it was unmerited. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't buy it. And then he says there in verse 16, And not as it was by one that sin, so is the gift. Talks about the gift again. And then the last part says, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. In other words, regardless of how many sins you've committed, you can still be justified and receive this free gift. So God has a gift, a free gift. Then he makes this statement down there in verse 21. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, remember this. When you say the word gift or you say by grace, there's always somebody who wants to, you know, front load it or back load it. Front load means you, you do this and we'll give you this free gift. So then the gift is actually a debt because, you know, you have to do something to get it. And God said, no, it's a free gift. It's the gift by grace. But then you have others that want to add something to the end of it. And in doing so, they said, well, you know, a gift ought to be free. But let's say, for example... Betty Dowdy's driving the car down the road. Cop pulls her over. And uh, he gets out and says, may I see your license, please? So she shows the license. And while she has her wallet out, she says, oh, by the way, I have $10 I want to donate to the policeman's fund. It's just a gift. Now, how do you think the policeman is going to take that? As a bribe. See, now a gift becomes a bribe. Well, she didn't mean to bribe. She's just given it as a gift. How many of y'all know Betty Dowdy? No, no. <laughs> I'm just joking. She's not in here, is she? Oh, no. She's going to come out of the nursery dragging four kids with her. 
But you see, some people, they front load it, and others, they back load it. So some people make it a wage. In other words, you get it if you deserve it, if you've earned it and you work for it. I'm going to give you this wonderful gift. Or you put it in the back end and you have to do something in order to keep it. Then it becomes a bribe. You've been bribed. In other words, if I have to serve the Lord and promise to serve the Lord to get this free gift, then it becomes, it's a bribe. I, I didn't get it for free. I've got to do something for it. So no, God said, I'm going to give it to you. It's a free gift, freely by his grace, as he says in the book of Romans in chapter 3 and verse 28 and also 24. But it's so important to understand that. Now look there in that last verse of chapter 5. He says, that as sin hath reigned unto death. Now, it means that your old sinful nature can reign in your mortal body until it dies. Until you die. Because he's talking in here about the physical death. Death hath reigned. All the way from Adam. So because we have a sinful nature, we all sin. So sin reigns in our mortal body until we die. But once you're dead, the sinful nature has no more dominion over the flesh. You go to the grave. Go to the cemetery. Dig up anybody you want to. <laughs> Don't do it. I'm not. I'm not it's just, you know. But you dig up a body and look at it, and I bet you they're not going to be singing. They're not going to be playing cards. A guy's not going to be laying there smoking. He's not going to be drinking a Coors. Why? He's dead. The sinful nature can't move, can't work, can't have any activity whatsoever. It has absolutely no power over a dead body. So... You and I are supposed to live our lives as though the body is dead. As though the body was crucified. Boy, that's easy preaching and hard living. And some people never really get it, but I'm going to do my dead level best if I can tonight. But look at the last part of verse 21. And he says, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Now, when you were a lost man, so look up here now. I am me. I have a body with a sinful nature. Got it with my first birth. There it is. And it reigns in my mortal body. And because I am subject to it, it causes me to do things I don't want to do. And so therefore, all the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life... It's all wrapped up, and it's in my members. It's in my body. So I have to be born again. So when I trust Christ as my Savior, God gives me a new birth. Now, I'm still me. I have an old nature, old sinful nature with an old body. I've got my new birth, Holy Spirit indwelling me, but I didn't get my new body yet. So God wants me to use that old body, where that old sinful nature is, and i got to share it with my new one. Well, the old one doesn't want the new one there, because it's had control for all these years. So, 
for the sake of illustration, let's just keep this one over here for right now. Because as you read the sixth chapter, it sure talks a lot about death, 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 death. And then it says a lot of things about life, 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 life. And then it says a lot of things about fruit, 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 fruit. So what are the results of the death in the body? And what is the result of the fruit that comes from the life in Christ? So you have these two competing entities against this one little body that I've got for the control of it. So he says, the new one, as he says here, might reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Now, this one will reign forever because it's righteous. There's no end to this one because it lasts forever. This one over here only can reign until death. So this is short term. This is long term. I have two births. This one is short term. So far, this one has lasted about 71 and a half years. But this one is going to last for how long? Forever. So I've got to put up with this one. But God says not to let it dominate my life. That it has control over me. Now look at the last verse of chapter 6. And you'll see pretty much the same thing. The same words. Just worded a little bit different, but it says it has the same principle to it. But there in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's the same up there where it says that as sin hath reigned unto death. Why do you die? Because you sinned. You earned the right to die. Isn't that wonderful? We've all earned the right to die. This is what we get as a result of this old sinful nature. We've all sinned. We're all condemned. We're all going to die. So this old body of ours uh, has a sinful nature. And now I'm asked by God to do the impossible. He wants, to, he wants me to live a miracle life. And as it says in chapter 7, he says in verse 18, that is... In the flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform, I find not. How do I perform this miracle? How do I, as a child of God, live in newness of life when I got the oldness of life still with me? When I have this new desire, but I've also got this old desire. I want to do this. But I wind up letting the old sinful nature do this. And so it's a battle that we go through in our Christian life. And everybody has to go through it. But he says there, for the wages of sin is death. That's this over here. But the gift of God over here is eternal life. See, the new birth lives forever. But as you read the scriptures here, you'll find that it talks about bringing forth the fruit. The fruit of this old man is going to be destroyed. It's going to die. And it's not worth anything. It's sinful. It's wicked. But whenever I was a lost man, I could not bring forth the works of God. I was not a servant of righteousness, but a servant of unrighteousness. 
Now that I know Christ is my Savior, God wants me to bring forth the fruits of righteousness, serving Him, because now I can. When I was lost, I couldn't. Now that I'm saved, I can. This is why we made the point and gave out some notes the other day about our standing. You see, when I was a lost man, my standing was under the law. That was my position in this world. I was a lost man. I was not a child of God. It, but when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was under the standing of grace. And that's why in Romans in chapter 5, look at it real quick. And look there in verse 2, where it says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So once you trust Christ as your Savior, Christ died to pay for our sins that we owed over here in debt, gave to us as a free gift everlasting life, and death separates us from the old man and gave us a new man. And now because this is our new standing in the Lord, I am under grace this is how God sees me. You see, when a man is under the law and his standing is as a lost man without God, man could not change it. He could not alter it. He could not do anything about it. He was hopelessly lost. But when you trusted Christ as your Savior, Christ dying for us, became a curse for us because he took our sins upon himself and delivered us from the curse of the law and delivered us from the power of the old sinful nature and also from the grave. So you see, we were trapped by the law, sin, and death. And he set us free. Now, in Christ, because Christ died, buried, came back from the dead, what he did was put to my account as though I did it. So now I'm in Christ. In Christ, you're in grace. And this new position cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. So in Christ, I receive certain things that can never be taken away. God gives to me this gift of everlasting life. But he can only give everlasting life and his righteousness as a gift to a person that has been justified. So that means that you, first of all, you have to believe on Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And God to declare you justified. Because the payment has then been put to your account. And you are now free from the law. And now the law cannot touch you because you are looked upon by the law as a dead man. Christ died for you in your place. So then the law can't touch you so it can never condemn you. You are now his child and this can never be altered. Can't be changed. You're now a child of God for all eternity. So that's what he's talking about here. And then he says there in verse 23 of Romans chapter 6, 
He says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, this last verse and the last verse of chapter 5 is saying the same thing. But they're both talking to the believer. It's not talking to the lost man, but the principle is still the truth. Now, when you look at chapter 6, I just want you to notice all the times it talks about death, death, death. You see there in uh, in verse 2, because that question was asked, how shall we then live? Shall we continue in sin? Verse 2, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Or look up here. There's your old man. He died. Christ died. Paid for the sins. So I've been set free. Now that I'm a child of God, how shall we that are alive unto God, why would we place ourselves back under the law? Why would we put ourselves back under a curse? Why would we want this old sinful nature and these desires? Because they can never satisfy They can never have fruit that will last for all eternity. But if I look at it and understand it, the desires that God gives to me are holy. They're godly. And the fruits of righteousness is so much better, so much more enjoyable. It pleases God and it pleases me. And the fruit will last forever. And whatever I do for the Lord, God is going to reward me when I get to heaven. And I will have a much blessed life while I'm here. So he says in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Or not look up here. Here I am. Because what Christ did was put to my account. It's as though I was here. And the only way you can get the second birth is if you have to have the first one die. You can't get the second one until this one dies. Well, I don't want to die. But his death is put to my account. And so I accept his death as my death. And the day that I do that and believe that his death was mine, he did it for me. Then as far as the law is concerned... I fulfill my debt. I paid my debt in full. We sing that song. Christ paid my pardon. This I surely know. Took my place at Calvary. Now I don't have to go. All my life I give him. He gave his for me. Now, we are his children and we're going to heaven when we die. And he has given to us eternal life. So he says, now we should, should live in newness of life. But I have this problem with this old sinful nature. He keeps resurrecting himself somehow. And we kind of keep him alive. See, he didn't really die. He wasn't really crucified. I'm supposed to reckon it true. You see up there in verse 11 where he says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. You and I are supposed to live the way God sees it. God sees that the old man was crucified, and now you are alive in Christ. Therefore, walk in newness of life. Walk like you have new life. I believe that it's 
the greatest key to enjoying life. Because you don't have to fulfill all those old sinful desires that you have, and you still have them. They didn't go away. God just gave you some new ones, and you can make better choices now. Now I can serve the Lord where before I couldn't serve the Lord. So he makes this statement here. In verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth, from now on, we should not serve sin. So you see, even though God saved you by grace, gave you the free gift of eternal life. Now, he's not front-loading it, and he's not back-loading it. He's just saying, this is the truth. And this new standing position in Christ, in grace, can't be changed or altered. So there was nothing that you had to do or perform to get this gift. And there's nothing that you have to do to maintain, to keep this gift. It's a free gift. That means no strings attached. It means it's not given as bribing you that now I've got to do this or something else. No. He says it's a gift. It's a free gift. A gift by grace. No strings attached. You don't have to earn it or deserve it. But he's letting you know where you stand in Christ. And now because of who you are and what you are in him. He even says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Your bodies. Present your body as a living sacrifice. It's still alive. But it's a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. You see, your life was not transformed when you got saved. Your life becomes transformed when you no longer are conformed to the world. So you transform your life by the renewing of your mind. So that's a growth process. So now as we study the word of God, we begin to grow in the Lord. And a sign of you growing and maturing in the Lord is that you yield more and more of your life to the Lord. You see, when you start growing, you don't know how to yield every area of your life. So to tell somebody you must make Christ, that he has to be Lord of all or not Lord at all. Then where's growth? You see, you only can yield in areas little by little. You only grow little by little. You don't do it all at one time. It's a process. And notice what he says. In verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. See, that's your position in Christ. This new birth over here is free from the sinful nature. It's free from death. It's free from the law. The new birth is not under the law. Your new birth was born of God. It is a perfect birth. You are a child of God. It can never be condemned. It can never be changed, altered, annulled. It can't, nothing can change that. So as God sees you, he's now looking at you through Christ. Christ died. You were with him. Christ was buried. You were with him. Christ came back from the dead. You were with him. Christ ascended into the heavens. You were with him. Seated on the right hand of the Father, you're in the heavenly seated in Christ. 
You're in him. That's where, that's your position. And it can never be changed ever again. So he says here in verse 8, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. So how many times did Christ have to come into the world? One time. How many times did he have to die for the sins of the world? One time. So he only had to be buried and come back from the grave one time. And you are in him. And he ever liveth. And you're in him. For how long? Forever. That is your new position in Christ that cannot be changed. Now God wants us to live as though it's all true. To believe it and recognize it. Live like a child of the king instead of like a pauper. Believing the word of God is true. The promises of God is true. And we should live like we really believe this. And therefore we should not in this life believe that our old sinful nature has to always get the best of us. Now you're going to have your old sinful nature. He lures and he sometimes overwhelms you. But isn't it nice to know that the Bible says, God said, I'll never cast you out. I'll never lose you. He has us in his hands and nobody can never take you out of his hand. But here we're talking about the position you have in Christ and how it's supposed to affect our way of life. You see, our justification, we were justified in the court of law. A death payment put to our account, we have been set free, and God can't even condemn us anymore. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So that is our new position. We have been made pure and holy, sanctified, set apart. We belong to the Lord. That's our position. But now in this life, yes, God wants us to have a sanctified life. It's called it sanctification. One day when we get to heaven, yes, we'll have total glorification. Glorified. Totally perfect. But that day's not here yet. But until then, we're supposed to live with our confidence in the Lord. I'm a child of God. This is who I am in Christ. And this is why I do what I do. So he makes a statement here. In verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. And if it has none over him, you and I are supposed to live like the sinful nature has no dominion over us. We are supposed to live like we're not afraid of death because we've already died. You see, I died 52 years ago. So I shouldn't fear death now, should I? I've accepted his death as my death. And so I am alive only by the grace of God. So I don't have to worry about when I'm going to die, how I'm going to die, if I will die. He might even come back and it never happened anyway. But that's our security that we have in Christ. So he says here in verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So we are in him. So this is why we're supposed to have newness of life and live for the Lord because of where we are. The Lord has taken us from this old man and gave us a new man. And this new birth is in Christ. That's my position. Never to be changed. 
or altered or annulled. Now in verse 11, get this. Likewise, now so you see that it's showing you your position in Christ and how you are seen as having died and now are alive forevermore in Christ. Likewise, live like it. Act like it. Believe like it. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin or unto that old sinful nature, that it does not have to rule and have dominion over your life. So God says the key to all of this, and you'll see this word. You'll see the word yield. See there? Look there in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So we're talking about this mortal body that I've got. I've only got one. I am not to let my old sinful nature have control of my body. Now he's always there. He's always Lord, always tempting. You still have the same sinful desires. Now the key is, can you live your life without fulfilling them all? You say, uh, you mean I won't get angry anymore? <laughs> you won't get mad anymore? You won't be deceived anymore? Oh, yes, because you have an old sinful nature. It hasn't changed. He's just as mean and ornery as ever. This is why you as a child of God can have a real blessed moment. And your husband will think you're just a little angel. And buddy, it won't take that much. And if I was to ask him, do you believe in the devil? He says, sure do. I married his wife. It wouldn't take much. Because you still have an old sinful nature. And sometimes you're, you're, you're back and forth. And that's what a double-minded man is. A double-minded man is one who minds God, minds the flesh, minds God, minds the flesh, minds God, minds the flesh. And God says, don't think that man's going to get anything. He's not going to get anywhere. He's not going to grow and mature. And the problems of life are going to overwhelm him because he doesn't realize that he can go to the Lord and God will give him what he needs. But anyway, look at this. He says in verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Because see, you still have an old sinful nature. You're still in a mortal body. And you can yield to the sinful nature. That's what he's saying. But you shouldn't. He doesn't want you to. And the only reason that you're going to have enough power not to do so is you're going to have to love something more. You have to have some desire that's greater than the sinful desire. Whichever's the greatest is the one that's going to control you. The greater desire is what's going to determine why you do what you do. Do you have the desire, I want to serve the Lord? If that desire is your strongest desire, then you can have victory in your life. But if it's not, and you desire the things of the world more than you desire the things of God, you're going to destroy your life. But in making the choices that you have based upon the desires that you have, there's a way of strengthening these desires, and that's to feed these desires. When you start satisfying godly desires, see, they grow, become stronger. You start satisfying the desires of the flesh, and it gets stronger. And you're going to have a bigger battle on your hands. So God says in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Now look at verse 13. 
neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Oh, here's your body. Here's my body. I am not to let my old sinful nature use this body to bring forth sin. That's what he said. But look at the last part of that verse. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So it doesn't say just not to yield your Self to the flesh, it says, yield yourself unto God. That means you have to walk in daily dependence upon God. And if you get to where you don't think you need God and you don't need the word, you don't need to pray, you are destined for failure. You are destined to walk in the flesh. You're going to ruin your life, destroy your life and ruin your testimony. And you'll wonder why God won't use you. It's a choice. It's a choice. And all of us can make the right choice. And so he says, yield yourselves unto God. But see, you're the one that makes the decision to yield or not to yield. Check your testimony. Is your testimony above reproach? Always watch and guard your testimony. I used to teach the kids that in college all the way back in Colorado, didn't I? I told them then, I still tell you the same thing now. Nothing's changed. So in verse 14, for sin, that old sinful nature, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. See, you used to be under the law. That was your position as a lost man. Every lost man's under the law. He's condemned. That's why he says, and the whole world become guilty before God. So Christ died to redeem us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law was not that the law was a curse. It was that we could not fulfill the demands of righteousness under the law because of the weakness of the flesh. We just couldn't do it. You may want to live a godly, holy life, but you can't do it. That's why you needed a new birth. And so he says, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Grace is a new position. It's your new standing that you have in the Lord. And that is grace. How did you get there? I got in this new position as a child of God by grace. I didn't have to do anything on the front to get in. And I didn't have to do anything on the back end to stay there. It was all by grace. It was the gift by grace. And along with that, God gave to me the gift of eternal life. Because now I'm justified. He can't give eternal life to the lost man. He can only give it to a justified man. He can only give his righteousness to those who accept that payment Christ made on the cross for them. So he says in verse 15, what then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Hey, if I'm not here and I'm here, but I'm still here, why not just do however I want and have a blast because I'm going there? And it can't be changed. Well, it sounds like a good idea. Except now you're God's child and he's your father and he'll beat the living daylight out of you. And you'll make you wish that uh, you'd have made a little bit wiser choice. See, becoming a child of God is one of the greatest things in the world. Like I said the other day, I have two sons. I had David and I had Eddie. 
And I also said that if one's obedient and one's disobedient, which one is mine and which one's not mine? The one that's obedient is mine, the other one is Betty's. No. They're both mine. The one that's obedient is still my son. And the one that's disobedient is still my son. How they live, their obedience has nothing to do with them being my son. They're my son because they're born into my family. So one that's obedient will be happier. I'll be happier. And the one that's disobedient is going to be miserable because I'm going to see to it. And it's going to be harder on him. He, he could get whooped, chastened, disciplined. Not because you hate him, but because you love them. So in life, you have now the freedom to do something you never had the power to do before. You see, we all had the power to serve sin. We all had the power and ability to yield our instruments, um, our members, unto the, the devil uh, to live in sin. But now... God says, uh, I've given you something. You have power that you never had before. So he says here in verse 16, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin and the death of obedience unto righteousness. So now you have a choice. Don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are? So you can be a servant of the flesh or you can be a servant of the spirit. You have a choice. And whenever you do, there's consequences. There's results to this. But look in verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. This is what you were. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And that's the gospel. Being then made free from sin. You see, if I'm free from sin, the old sinful nature, I can live forever. Well, that's what the Bible says. Look up here. I was a lost man. I was under the sentence of death. So you cry out, how can I be free from this condemnation? Well, if I was to die, I would be free from this. Of course, the lost man, he goes to a place called hell. But you want to be free, but you don't want to go to hell. So you're afraid to really just to die. You don't want to commit suicide. God made a way where you could die now, have eternal life, and live with him forever. You may have a few years to live with this old fella hanging on to you, but sooner or later, he's going to die, and it'll be gone. But like he says here, you have been made free from the sin, that old sinful nature. Guess what this says? Ye became the servants of righteousness. Now you are the servants of God. And look what you can do. If you don't, it doesn't change your standing in Christ. This is what's so important to know. So he says there in verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield. See, there's nothing in here where it says God makes you serve him. God does not make you trust him. God does not make you serve him. It's a choice that you and I have. We can yield to him. So he says, 
Yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. It's a different way to live. For when you were, past tense, the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. You couldn't serve God. You didn't have the ability to serve God. You could only serve the flesh. But now that's changed. So in verse 21, he says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, because the wages of sin is death. But there's something that God wants us to have. So in verse 22, he says, But now, now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit. See, this is the results, the consequences. See, God wants fruit from a person's life. And he says, fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. But if I yield myself as a servant to the Lord, I am going to have some fruit from my tree that will last forever. The fruit is the same as you find in John chapter 15 when he talks about to go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. You see, the fruit that God wants us to bring forth is eternal fruit. Every person you win to Christ will be God's child forever. And it's the fruit that comes by you and I yielding ourselves to the Lord so that God can use us. And fruit is the result of that. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. In our lost position, we were under the law, the condemnation of the law. The law demanded righteousness and we could not perform. We may have desired to do right, but we just can't do right. Our sinful nature deceives us, lies to us. And we produce all these sins. And because we've committed the sin, we have to pay for them. So we have a sin debt. We are in debt. We have to make a payment. So the Bible says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't pay this debt by going to church. You can't pay this debt by giving money. It's death. The wages of sin. Death. So you don't have to turn from sin to be saved. You have to die for your sins. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross. Now, when you and I, when we believe he did that for us, his death on the cross is put to our account as though we paid our debt in full. So that's why Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Because, see, I've accepted his payment, his crucifixion as mine. Like I was the one that went to the cross, and I'm the one that paid for my sins, and I was buried, and I came back from the dead. Therefore, I should now walk in newness of life because I paid for all of my sins. I did it in the person of Christ. And therefore, because I've come back from the dead now, I should live like I died to the old sinful nature and not let it control my life. Yield to the Lord. And you'd be surprised what God has for you, what God can do for you. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Or if you're watching by internet, I pray that what I've said is simple enough that you can understand that above all, God loves you. And that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to down that cross to pay for your sins. 
and that he has the, a free gift that he wants to give to you. It's not front-loaded, and it's not back-loaded. There's nothing you have to do to get it, and there's nothing that you have to do to keep it. He meant what he said. So if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, the only thing you have to know is this. You're a sinner. Christ, who was God in the flesh, died and paid for your sins. And if you will trust him as your Savior, because he came back from the dead, he can put that payment he made to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you'll do it right now. With heads bowed, eyes closed, anyone in the auditorium, I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you forward. But right where you're sitting, say, Preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior tonight. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly? Put it right back down. Is there anyone at all? No one at all. Our Father, we thank you so much for your word that you've given us. Lord, we can't claim to understand all of it, but there's enough there that we can chew on for a while. We ask your blessings upon each one here. Bless each one. Give them a good week. And we pray that as we live our lives that we would be honoring to you. We know we struggle with the old sinful nature. But Lord, you said in your word, yield yourselves to God, to yield to you. Because we have desires that are hitting us from both directions. And we make choices. We make decisions. Help us to be wise and choose the right thing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.